ago, we started a series talking about fame and talking about how we should be making Jesus famous and how we shouldn't be focused on trying to get famous for ourselves. And I think a natural progression in that thinking over the last few weeks is, so should I not be ambitious? Like, if I'm trying to live in love like Jesus, should I just, like, push down all my, my natural ambition? Um, this week, Sean had an interview for a promotion. Chelsea had an interview for a promotion. Should, is it wrong to interview for promotions and be like, I want to get a better role. I want to be at a higher position. I have ambitions for this church. Not that it grows really big, but that we start other churches. I want to see churches started out of our church in Conshohocken and Devon and Old City. And I think that we can start new churches because new churches reach new people. But is that wrong? If I'm a follower of Jesus, if I should be about making Jesus' name big and my name small, is it wrong to be ambitious? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And the short answer is no. But the long answer takes a little bit longer. You know, if it was just no, we could be like, oh good, that was a short sermon, Alex. Now let's hang out and talk and we'll get you off the stage and we'll, uh, we'll have a good time together. But the long answer is a little bit longer and I think there's some benefit to wrestling through this and thinking through this. And I think two of the things we have to look at is, what is your ambition? Like, it's not necessarily wrong to be ambitious, but what are you ambitious for? And why is that your ambition? And a lot of times we look at ambitious people and we only think of them in positive terms. You see someone who's driven and ambitious and we're like, man, that's go-getter. They have the hustle mentality. They get things done. They want to achieve things. They want to get somewhere. And we look at someone who's maybe not as ambitious and we're like, eh, you know, they could use a little bit more ambition. But ambition also has a dark side. It also has an edge. I was reading an article on entrepreneur.com, and they said ambitious people overwhelmingly have higher paying jobs and hold higher positions than less ambitious people, people who want to consider themselves ambitious. But they also live much shorter lives, and they admit in this survey of ambitious people that they are unhappy with their life. They always want to go farther than they've gone. And so they suggested that maybe being more ambitious won't necessarily make your life happier. It'll just make you constantly be driving to a goal line that you'll never reach. And so ambition can have a dark side. And sometimes we're ambitious for the wrong things. When I was down in Tennessee at a church before I moved up here, there was a man I met at the church who his goal was to be a millionaire by the time he was 30 years old. And he had a building company and he was building middle income homes and uh, he was well on his way to becoming a millionaire by 30. He was building all these homes, and then he'd sell them for a great profit, and he, his business was booming, and then the recession hit. Remember that? And nobody wanted houses, and there were just houses everywhere. And so he had five houses that he had built and was expecting to make a huge profit on, and he took a huge loss on. And he actually went from being on the path to becoming a millionaire to on the path to being bankrupt. And I remember talking to him during this time, and we talked about this verse in 1 Timothy 6, 9, and it says this, those who long to be rich fall into a trap, and they end up getting pierced with many foolish and harmful desires that lead their souls to ruin. And we sat down and we were talking about that together, and he told me, he said, Alex, I found that being a husband and a father and a follower of Jesus is more meaningful to me than being a millionaire. 
He said, I put all my time and my energy and effort into accomplishing this goal. And what I found was my marriage and my children and my relationship to Jesus were put to the side because my ambition was to be a millionaire and everything else was secondary to that. And he says, but now that that was taken away, he found that pursuing being a husband and a father and a follower of Jesus was much more satisfying. Satisfaction was not found in chasing an ever-moving goal line because once he became a millionaire, what was he going to want to do? He's like, could I have two million? You know, like, it'd always be something next. But investing ambitiously into the relationships he had led to a meaningful life. So the wrong ambition is wrong. If we want something that's not a healthy ambition, that's wrong. But also, the right ambition with the wrong motivation can be wrong. There's sometimes where people want the right thing, but they want it for the wrong reason. In Matthew 7, 22, Jesus says, Many will say to me at the end of everything, We've preached powerful messages in your name. We drove out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. And I will tell them, I never knew you. You have no relationship with me. Depart from me. The work you've done is evil. That's a sobering thought for me. Because I stand up and I talk on behalf of Jesus, right? I'm like, this is what Jesus said. This is what it looks like to live and love like Jesus. And Jesus said, there will be some people at the end of all time who have preached amazing messages in the name of Jesus, but they had no relationship with him. They did right things with the wrong motivations, and so it was wrong. He calls their work evil, even though they did miracles, even though they drove out demons, even though they preached sermons that people talked in Philippians 1.17, the Apostle Paul says, There are some people who go around preaching about Jesus, but they do so out of selfish ambition. I, that makes me have to stop and say, I'm presenting a message about Jesus. Am I doing it with the right motivation? Because see, in Jesus' kingdom, motivation matters. The end never justifies the means. Jesus isn't like, well, it turned out okay in the end. Like, people heard about Jesus, so it was okay that he did it in a really bad way or for really selfish reasons. Jesus was like, no, no, no. Motivation matters. So, is ambition wrong? No. But we have to have a caveat with that, that if you're ambitious for the wrong things, or if you're ambitious for the right things with the wrong motivation, it can be wrong. So we really have to spend some time thinking about our ambitions, really processing them. Now, you might be saying, okay, this is way too complicated, Alex. If ambition is this complicated, I just won't be ambitious at all. I'll be apathetic. I'll just sit here and be like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to pursue anything. I'm not going to try anything. And I'm not going to apply myself. That way, I never have to worry about whether or not my ambition's right, right? That seems like the simpler approach. The only problem with that is apathy is not holy. Apathy is evil. The Bible actually condemns being apathetic. Apathy is saying, I don't love people enough to try to make things better. Whereas healthy ambition is always motivated by love because you want to make things better for people. You say, I want to take that promotion. Not so that people can be like, oh, look at him. He's really made it. Look at her. She's really made it. I want to do that because it's better for my family. It's better for my team. It's better for my workplace. Love compels you to take a higher position because you know you can make the workplace better. You can make the world better. Love tells you to start a new church in Conshohocken, not so that I can be like, look, our little church started another church. But because I want people over there to have a church that values relationships over religion like ours does. So what kind of things should we be ambitious for? 
What kind of things should we be ambitious for? Well, there's two types of ambitions mentioned in the New Testament. In 1 Thessalonians 4.11, Paul says to the church there, he says, this should be your ambition, lead a quiet life. Mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you when we were with you. Okay, that's pretty simple. Live a quiet life, work hard at work worth doing, work with your hands, mind your own business, don't be in everybody else's man. Can you imagine social media? Like, what if we took that mind your own business to social media? I think that would change if we really took that to heart. Anyways, he also says in Romans 15, he writing, writing to the church at Rome, he says, my personal ambition has always been this. This is interesting to me. Paul was started all these churches. He was one of the uh, greatest forces in the New Testament, the early church. And he said, this is my life ambition to preach the gospel where people don't know about Jesus. That was his life's ambition. These are good ambitions. Live a quiet life. Work hard. Mind your own business. And desire to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Like, what Paul's desire was to share the good news. That's what gospel means. The good news of Jesus. And what's the good news? That Jesus didn't come. God himself didn't come into our world and say, You guys have really messed up. And I'm here to rain fire down on your heads. The good news is Jesus showed up and he said, I love you. And I want you to have a relationship with me so much, I'm willing to die to bridge the gap between where you are and where I am. That's the good news. And Paul was so excited about that news. He says, my ambition is to take that good news to places that have never heard that good news. But if we think about our ambition being aiming for a quiet life, that means we're seeking the shadows, not the spotlight. Have you ever known those people? I have some friends like this. Like if there's a stage, even if you're just in casual conversation, you're like, I need to step up on the stage. You know, if a light comes on, they're like, I need to step into that light. You know, they just want to be the center of attention. They just come into a room and they're like, every eye has to be on me. Have you ever seen people who cause drama just so that people look at them? I have a nephew. I have three nephews. I'm not going to name which one. But there's one of them that he's really good at. He's like, there's people in this room. They're not looking at me. I should smash something so everyone looks at me. I should kick my brother so everyone looks at me. I should do something insane so that everyone looks at me. But here in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, don't be the center of attention. Live a quiet life. Get busy at work worth doing. Now, if that work worth doing pushes you into the spotlight, so be it. But don't get dazzled by the lights if that happens. So how do you know if your ambition is good or evil? How do you know if your motivation is right or wrong? We're going to look in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And this is what it says. Who is wise and has understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. And so James here is not saying, don't be ambitious, list. He says, have an ambition, get things done. Do things, accomplish things, but make sure you do it in humility and a humility that comes from wisdom. He says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it because you end up denying the truth. Such so-called wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every type of evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure and peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. 
And so James says here, if you're weighing your ambition, a healthy ambition comes out of humility. It comes out of wisdom. Wisdom, that word is used a lot in the Bible, and it's a word that we don't really use in the same sense that they use it. Wisdom is knowing right from wrong. Have you ever had two choices, and you're like, I don't know which way to go? Wisdom helps you decide which is the right direction. And a lot of times, we spend all our lives like, which direction do I want to go? And we're like, God, show me clearly. Like, put a neon sign over the door I'm supposed to go through. And God's like, I want to teach you wisdom so you know how to choose the right Wisdom is becoming enough like God so that you can recognize a right from a wrong. You have right path from a wrong path. You can make wise decisions. Healthy ambition is not about what you would like to see happen in the world, but it's first of all asking, what would God like to see in this world? What would God consider the right option here? Healthy ambition demands that we're honest about our abilities, but also about our weakness. It forces us to say, am I really right for this position, or do I just want it because it has more money, it has more prestige, it has more potential, or am I really the person who will make the world better by taking this step? If we aim to accomplish something out of humility because God would want it, James considers this wisdom. But he also warns us about selfish ambition here. He says, if we do something to boast, or we do something out of envy or jealousy. Have you ever done this where somebody's like, you'll never do that? And I'm like, oh yeah? I'm gonna spend the rest of my life getting to the point where I do that just to show you that you're wrong. That sometimes that's a really uh, driving force of ambition for me. You know, as soon as someone says, that's gonna fail, I'm like, oh yeah? I'll sacrifice every drop, last drop of blood to prove you wrong. Now that stubbornness sometimes is good because it helps me to stay when other people would quit. But at the same time, James here says that's not a healthy ambition. That's an ambition that's going to destroy your soul rather than an ambition that's going to grow your soul. He says we actually deny the truth. And our wisdom is actually thinking like a demon when we work that way. In Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, there's a passage that scholars accredit to the words of Satan. And uh, they're recorded here in Isaiah. And in this passage, uh, Satan and evil kingdoms under him. They, here's what they say. I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne. I will sit with the rulers of the universe. I will ascend higher than the clouds. I will make myself a God. And you notice that each of these statements that Satan says here in this passage, they start with this phrase, I will. And we have to be careful sometimes with our ambition because many times our ambition starts with I will instead of God's will. Like, what does God want versus what I will? We have to weigh what we want through what God wants. Because sometimes when we start a sentence with, I will, it's demonic thinking and not healthy, wise thinking. Now, I'm a planner. I keep a schedule. You probably at some point like tried to sit down for coffee with me or hang out with me, and I'm like, let me check my schedule. Because I love my schedule and I have everything written out. And to me, my wife hates schedules. Her personality is, if it's scheduled, that's bondage. I need a free calendar so I can come and go and do what I want. She still wants to hang out with people, but it has to be unscheduled, it has to be unplanned. I'm the opposite, if it's not scheduled, I'm like, there might be something out here that I'm forgetting, and I, I have to schedule it all out. Austin just turned 20. When I was 20, I had laid out my life plan. I was like, this is where my life's going. 
here's the time I'm gonna get married, here's the time I'm gonna get this job, here's what I'm gonna do here, here's what I'm gonna do. I got a three-year plan, a one-year plan, five-year plan, 20-year plan, and I'd like to say I've gotten better about this, but with this church, I've got a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, and a 20-year plan, and you know what God says to my plans? This is a direct quote. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says. Like, it's never gone according to my plans. Every time I said, I will do this on this day, God's like, yeah, sure. Um, so James 4, verses 13 through 15 says this. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to such and such a town. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to do some trade. We're going to make a profit and then come back. Yet you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say this. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I'm so quick to say, here's what we're going to do next week. Here's what we're going to do next month. Here's what we're going to do next year. And God's like, you've got to start with me. Because I know what's going to be in the future. And you can guess all you want, but you're always wrong. Just look back. You've always been wrong. And so wisdom says, I start with, what is God willing? What is God wanting? Not what am I wanting? What am I thinking is going to happen? What do I think I'm going to make happen? Now back in our passage here in James chapter 3, James warns us that the source of all evil and disorder and chaos comes from one source. This is in verse 16. He says drugs, right? That's what he says. It's drugs. Or does he say it's immoral sex acts or satanic witchcraft? No, he doesn't say any of this. It's like that's my what you think of. If I said, what's the source of chaos and disorder in every type of evil? You might name one of those things you like. It's poverty or it's, uh, you know, it's drugs or it's witchcraft. One of these things that I but he says something different. He says the source of disorder and every type of evil is selfish ambition. Everything starts with selfish ambition. And I'm like, they can't be that. Like, you know, because we wouldn't let in drugs or we wouldn't let in some of these other things into our homes or into our churches. But you know what we let in a lot of times? Selfish ambition. Because we walk right in with it. Like, I've met so many church leaders, and many times I've been that church leader who walks in with selfish ambition. And James says, that's more dangerous than walking in with some of these other things, because he says, this is the source, this is the foundation, this is the root of all kinds of chaos and disorder, and every type of evil can spring out of selfish ambition. So, James tells us to test our ambition. In verse 17, he tells us how to test our ambition so we can see if our motivations are right, if this is the right type of ambition. And here's how he says to test it. He says, is it pure? Is it peace-loving? Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Is it merciful? Is it impartial and sincere? Will bring forth good fruit. Now, we can read those and say, okay, that, that sounds good, but I, I think we don't really apply them to our lives unless we start to put them in the idea or into a question that we can ask. So I think there's five questions we can ask when we have an ambition. There's something like, I want to see this happen. I want to do this. I want this to happen in my world, in my life, in my family, in my church, in my community. These are the five questions. Number one, do I have an ulterior motive for wanting this? This is like James said, is it pure? Or is it 
seemingly pure on the surface, but you really want it for another reason. And let me tell you something about humanity. Let me tell you something about myself. It's very easy to rope in a little bit of impure motivation with a lot of pure motivation and be like, it's okay. It's gonna take a lot of time to strain selfish ambition out of a holy motivation. To do something good for the right reason takes time to eliminate doing it for the wrong reason. And that means I have to sit down sometimes and say, I want this. I want to see our church start other churches. But do I want it for the right reason? And just because I want it for the right reason today doesn't mean necessarily that I'll want it for the right reason tomorrow. And so I have to come back and self-evaluate and say, hey, is this about me? Our little church started other churches. Or is it about me saying, no, no, no. I want to see people far away from God come to hear the good news of Jesus that he didn't show up and put us over the head, but he showed up to die for us and rescue us so that we might know him forever. Second question, will this cause unnecessary drama and discord in the lives of other people? Will my ambition somehow steamroll other people? Once again, this is a question that takes time to think about. Because all of a sudden I have to move the focus off of myself and what I want to accomplish and say, am I going to run some people over if I do this? Do I need to have some conversations before I do this? Or am I just like, get things done. Who cares about people? And sometimes my, uh, Darby, my wife, accuses me of being robotic sometimes because I'm like, objective, goal, got, you, know, uh, you know, accomplishment, and you just keep moving on. And she's like, God, remember, people have feelings. People have emotions. And I was like... I haven't had my emotion chip installed yet. Um, will this cause unnecessary drama and discord in the life of others? Question three, does this meet the needs of other people or does this only meet my needs? Sometimes an unhealthy ambition is all about you feeling better, you feeling affirmed, you feeling accomplished, and it does nothing to help others. The Bible would call that an unhealthy or selfish ambition. A holy ambition always meets the needs of other people. Now, does that mean it does nothing for you? No. God's a generous God. Even when we're serving others, He blesses and He uh, encourages us. But if it only meets your needs and it's not meeting anybody else's needs, it's just for you, that's probably the textbook definition of selfish. Question number four. Have I asked wise people to help me weigh my motivations? Sometimes you're way too close to you to trust yourself. I think that sometimes, because we talk to ourselves more than anybody else, we trust our own voices more than anybody else, and sometimes we lie to ourselves. Have you ever done this? Darby and I are on a diet, and uh, we bought some cookies. We had some people over the house the other night. We bought some cookies, and we lied to ourselves. We said, I can eat this cookie and stay on my diet. And that's not true, because once you eat that cookie, it was really good, and you need a second cookie, and a third cookie, and a fourth cookie, and then you need to be like, you guys need to leave so we can finish these cookies. And we lie to ourselves all the time. So sometimes I need to ask wise people around me to weigh my motivations, because sometimes I think, yeah, I have a healthy reason for these motivations. And then I have some older pastors that I go to, and I say, hey, here's what I want to do. Am I doing this for the right reasons? And they ask me some probing questions, and sometimes some questions I don't like to hear, and sometimes some questions I don't like to answer, and I realize, oh, I still have some work to do before I can do those things with the right motivation. Question number five, do I want to see this happen even if my name is not a part of it or if someone else gets the praise? 
Do I want to see a great person in that role at work, even if it's not me? Do I love the people that they're going to manage so much that I want a great person in that role, even if it's not me? Do I want to see new churches started so much that I don't care if my name's never associated with it? I just want to see it happen. That's a healthy image. If I'm like, oh, wait, 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 we can't do it if my name doesn't get on there. If I'm not included in that, if I'm not center stage, then we have a selfish image. So I want to end with this verse from Philippians 2, 3. Paul says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain in humility, value everyone around you as worth more, as being valuable, as being in the image of God. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this challenge to live ambition-filled lives, but lives with the right ambition, fighting for the right things for the right reason. Forgive me, God, for sometimes fighting for the right things, but for selfish reasons. Because you say those things are evil and worthless. But I believe our world can be transformed when we live in love like Jesus. And we seek your ambitions in this place with the right motivations to see more and more people come to experience your good.